Hey, before we get into the message, I want to take a moment and tell you about something special happening here at Union. We are in the middle of our Limitless Initiative. As a church, we're beginning construction on our headquarters in Bowie, Maryland. This is a state-of-the-art facility that will seat 2,400 people and serve as the central hub of all things Union Church. Our vision is to launch more campuses in both the DMV and beyond, ensuring that there's a life-giving community within driving distance of as many people as possible. Hey, would you consider partnering with our Limitless Initiative? 100% of your contribution will go directly to our mission of uniting people to purpose and helping people know a God that loves them more than they can imagine. Here's what I know. God doesn't respond to our giving. God responds to our obedience. Will you spend time praying? Ask God what he would have you give and obey. And as you do, he's gonna respond with immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. You can give by clicking on the link in the description or going to theunionchurch.com forward slash limitless. All right, let's jump into today's message. I'm excited. I know that you can do anything, he's talking to God, and that no one can stop you. You ask, who is it who has foolishly denied your providence? Job said, it is I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about and did not understand, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. Let me put the questions to you. See if you can answer them. But now I say, and here's the message, here's the phrase, I had heard about you before. Come on now. But now I have seen you. I wonder how many people are in that position. And by the way, there's two different relationships with God. They're the, I've heard about God. My, my grandma used to sing about God. My, my dad had taught me about God. I went to church and I, I, there, there's one thing when you've heard about God, it's a completely different. Do I have any believers in the room that says, I didn't just hear that he's a provider, but I've seen him do it in my life. I didn't just hear that he's a healer. There's a difference between hearing about what God can do and I've actually seen it for myself. Job said, now that I've seen it, I'm so sorry for everything I said. I loathe myself and repent in dust and ashes. I've got a message for you today entitled, I've seen for myself. I've seen, I've seen for myself. Father God, we are grateful. We're thankful. God, your word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. So God, on this first day of the week, we're spending our first hours seeking you, putting you first. The first in our marriages, our relationship, our finances, our career, our parenting, all that we have belongs to you. God, I pray that you'd speak, that you'd transform, that you'd heal, that you would do what only you can do. And my God, are you doing it with the Ravens? Keep doing the good work that you've begun and see it through to a Super Bowl. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, when we win the Super Bowl, y'all can't tell me nothing. I'm praying for the Ravens until Jesus comes back. 
I'm not sure if you've ever had this encounter, but picture this moment, and it's happened to me before, where you're standing around with a group of people, not necessarily super close friends, maybe acquaintances, you're at an event or whatever it may be, and there's five or six of you guys, and y'all are just kind of talking, just hanging, just joking, you know, nothing serious and nothing deep. And, and somebody in the group starts talking about somebody that you know that is not there. They say something like, you know, this person, they're kind of phony. They, they, they really only show up when it benefits them. But if it doesn't benefit them, they're not going to show up. They're not going to go out of their way. They're, they're kind of selfish. They're kind of standoffish. They're kind of just like only consumed in themselves. And, and that's why I don't really mess with them. I remember standing in a moment like this, and, and it wasn't a person I knew, but it was somebody that somebody else knew. And, and the person spoke up, and I was like, oh, here we go. Standing there, and the person said, you must not know them. Listen, it's something when you punch a bully in the face. That's right, get awkward real fast. So you must not know them because they're nothing like that. They're the most selfless person I've ever encountered, and they've come through for me time and time and time again. Maybe you've got an issue with them, but that's between you and them. It's not who they are. Y'all, when I tell you, you could hear a pin drop. Talk about awkward. I was like, man, this lemonade is really, it's, it's amazing. Question, if you were standing with a group of people and somebody was bad-mouthing somebody that you knew, would, would you say something? Would you sit there silently and, and, and kind of just, okay, wait till I'm going to go back and tell them? Where, would you, or, or, or would you speak up? And said, I don't know what your issue is. I don't know if you're jealous of them, but here's what I do know. Your opinion of them is not an accurate indictment of, I just love that, by the way. I love them awkward moments. I just, listen, if you're going to be ignorant, we're going to go there. Let's just blow the spot up. You've got something to say. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You're going to speak up. You're not going to let that person badmouth somebody that you know that's not who they are. So I was preparing this message. The thought came to my mind, though, when I'm sitting around in a group of my thoughts and fear starts badmouthing my God and anxiety starts telling me, yeah, he was the God of your past, but I know him. He's not the God of your future. It's not going to work out. When insecurity and pride gets into a group in my thoughts and begins to say, God is not going to open a door for you. You've got to open the door yourself. God's probably forgotten about you. You've got to make a name for yourself. Here's my question. How quick are we to speak up? And to say, you must not know my God, because that's not who he is. He's not a God that abandons. He's not a God that forsakes. He's not a God that overlooks. He's not a God that for, or, or brings condemnation. He, he's faithful to who he is. It's amazing how we'll be in a group of friends and we'll stand up for a friend. 
But sometimes in an argument in our mind, and by the way, we all have those arguments in our mind. Don't feel crazy. Just because you talk to yourself doesn't make you crazy. You're really only crazy if you lose an argument with yourself. But (laughs) no, seriously, how many thoughts have attacked the character of God and we've allowed them to just rest unchecked, even though we say we know who our God is and Job Chapter 42, Job was called to account. If you know the story of Job, by the way, if you think your life is just horrible, if you're just going through a difficult season, if you're just having a pity party and just a woe is me, I encourage you, read the book of Job. There's something about reading Job that just makes you say, God, I'm sorry. I I was complaining about this little beef at work and this little cold I got. It's nothing compared to what that guy went through. It's weird. You read the book of Job and the Bible says that the enemy, Satan, was looking for somebody to attack. And I wish I had time to preach it. And God said, have you considered Job? Listen, if me and God could have some words, I'd be like, keep my name out your... (laughs) Listen, if you could not recommend me for anything, I'd appreciate that. He said, have you considered my servant, Job? Satan said, the only reason Job goes to church is because he got money. He's only there for the blessing. God said, that's not true. Satan said, well, let's see what happens when we take everything. God said, you can take everything but his life. Listen, could you imagine you there like, but God, I mean, like, bruh. (laughs) Here it is. Job lost his money, lost his business. All of his children died tragically. He lost everything except for his wife. (laughs) We'll cover that in the relationship thing. Says this chick said, just curse God. He's abandoned you. He's forgotten you. And Job has, I mean, three miserable friends. And for 37 chapters straight, they said, Job, you did, God did this because you sinned. Job, this is karma. What goes around comes around. It's because you were rich and pride. And they're just, I mean, by the way, get, get you some friends that are better than Job's friends, okay? Get you some friends that say, if you're going through, man, I'm fighting with you. Where are they at? Like, bring, bring. Don't get you some friends that on a bad day, they're just going to pile down harder. Well, you know you shouldn't have talked to them like that. And Job, he, he felt so alone and overwhelmed. He said, I've got to stand up for myself. And, and he began to say, God, I don't deserve this. He said, God, I've never sinned. God, you ever been there before? God, I tithe. I go to church. I know 20 people worse than me. And that's just in my family. We're not. I don't. Yeah, yeah come on. Let's read you. You ever had a Joe moment? I don't deserve this. And Job is, is kind of going off on God. And by the way, it's great to go off on God until God go off on you. And then you realize, oh, he talks back. 
Look what God said in Job chapter 38, verse 2. It says, why are you using your ignorance to deny my providence? He talks, okay? Look what God said. Now get ready to fight. For I am going to demand some answers from you. And you must reply. Question number one. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. (laughs) And for four chapters, God just goes off. He literally said, if you're a man, here's what I've discovered. There's a difference between I've heard about God and I know who he is because I've seen him. And having only heard him and not actually know him, I can fool everybody around me until I actually go through something. And when I go through something, it's what divides the I heard about God. No, 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 no. I didn't hear that he's a healer. I I know that he's a healer. This, This Christian thing, you know you can learn it in your head, right? You, you can learn when to say amen. You, you, you can learn that this is sin and this is not sin. You can learn good people wake up on Sunday morning and they go to church and I think I'm a good person, so I'm going to wake up and I go to church. You can learn those who say they believe in God go to heaven, those who say they don't go to hell. Who wants to go to hell? I'm going to say you, you, you can have an intellectual relationship with God. Come on now. And it's completely different from I know him and I've seen him and I've experienced him. Why why are we talking about this in a Bible series? Here's why. Because we've pigeonholed the Bible in just a rule book of sin and not sin, do and don't do, act and don't act. And last week we talked about, okay, it's not just sin and don't sin, but there's wisdom, there's principles. I can activate the word of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. But what we're going to talk about today is the Bible is not just a rule book. It's not just a book of prophecy or history or revelation. It's not just a book of wisdom or supernatural activation. The Bible is an introductory letter. So here's God. If you want to know who he is, if you don't just want to hear about him but see him, if you want to be able to stand up for him in the arguments of your mind against fear, anxiety, pride, or whatever it may be, you've got to know who your God is. And the Bible reveals who God is. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All of you have these people in your lives. There's people that if they call you and you pick up the phone. By the way, if you ain't saving my phone, I ain't picking up. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't know how the telemarketers got my phone number, but they be calling them. Hey, would you like to donate $3 to the Save the Puppy Foundation? All of us have people in our lives that if they call from an unregistered number, 
three seconds into their voice, you know who it is. Am I right? You, 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 don't, you don't have to, you, hey, this mom, this dad, this husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever it may be. You don't have to introduce yourself. If you got somebody like that, maybe their phone died, they grabbed somebody else's phone. Hey, I need you to come pick me up. They don't need to say, hey, this is so-and-so. Why? Because you've been around them so much, you recognize their voice, and the familiarity of us being around that much, I know who you are based on the sound of your voice. That's what the Word of God is. When I get in the Word of God enough, I begin to recognize the cadence of his voice. I begin to recognize how he talks and how he walks and how he operates, and I know God in a way that I've never known him before. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this in the beginning before there was earth before there was creation there was the Bible in the beginning was the and the word was with God and the word was God just quick super simple if I don't know God I don't know the word if I know the word I know God because he is the word. What I want to do is over the next few minutes that we have, I just want to give you some things that your word says that your God is. And I can't give you all that God is because we don't have enough time in a lifetime. But, but what I'm hoping the next few minutes does is it gives you an appetite that every time you open this Bible, you're not just looking for hope or encouragement or wisdom, but you're saying, God, show me a little something about you that I've never seen before. First thing the word will tell you about this, write this down, write this down. I have a fierce father. I have a fierce father. I, I, I grew up playing sports. I was one of those athletes who I'm just athletic, but I wasn't necessarily all state at anything. I played soccer. I was okay there. Played basketball. I was okay there. Played football. And then weight mattered. So I quit that and kind of just went on to some other things. But I remember every game I would play, especially soccer, because that's why I was the best out. Every time I did something great, I would never look at my coach. I would look over in the corner of the field and my dad would be standing over in the, my dad never sat in the bleachers. I think he didn't sit in the bleachers because he was embarrassed of my mother. <laughs> my mother would sit in the bleachers and she was a yeller. She would yell at the ref. She would yell at the coach. She would yell at me. What are you think? I think my dad was a little embarrassed. He said, I ain't sitting next to that woman. So he'd go over in a corner of the field by himself. Every time I did something good, I'd, I'd look over at my dad and he was not a yeller. He was a nodder. He was. <laughs> and when I tell you that one nod had my chest like, I'm messy, baby. Let's go. And every time I'd make a mistake, I'd look, I wouldn't look at my coach. I'd look over in the corner. My dad would be like, you're good. It's like sign language. We, we're communicating. He's like, you're good. You're good. You're good. Ever so often, I would hear, Stephen, don't pass. Shoot. Now, what did the dumb coach say? Stephen, pass. I don't care what you say. My daddy said, I'm going to shoot. So guess what I'm about to do? I'd shoot. I'd miss. I'd look at my dad. He'd be like. <laughs> There's a security yeah. when you've got a father in your corner. Yeah. 
that you're out there on the field by yourself, but I've got somebody out of the corner of my eye that is letting me know I'm good, I'm okay, I'm on the right track. Can I mess with y'all head? That was 20 years ago. 20 years later, the first service, every time I preach, I've got my dad sitting on this front row every Sunday, and I'll, I'll just look over. By the way, he's good during my messages until I say twerking from the stage, and then he's just like... <laughs> I'm a grown man, and I'm still peeking at my dad and saying, am I good? Is this Bible? Am I on the right? There's something about having your father that puts a confidence on you. The problem is some of us were blessed to have amazing fathers like my dad that we can peek into the corner of our field. Some of us grew up peeking into the corner and there was nobody there. Some of us grew up peeking into the corner and the person in the corner was yelling back, you should have made it. What are you doing? You're such a screw up. And because of that, I'm not having a healthy picture of a dad in our corner when the Bible says that God is our heavenly father. We're like, well, if he's anything like my earthly father, I'm good. Here's what the Bible says about your heavenly father, though. James chapter 1, verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing you have in life, every perfect gift, is from above and comes down from your heavenly father. With whom? Watch this. There's no mood swings. There's no, is he feeling good today? Is he off today? Is he here? No, there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought you forth by the word of truth that you might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. One of the jobs of the Bible is to reveal to you that you have a heavenly father and he is a good father that loves you and sees you and cares for you and is for you. Okay, let me take a step out of the Bible. This is not theology. This is, I'm just trying to take you somewhere. Is that okay? So you have this picture of God the father. Tracking? And you don't have to answer me, but just think about this for a second. Your picture of our Heavenly Father, God the Father, how old is he? Maybe a question you I was sitting around a great man of God, and he asked me this question, and it, it gave me a concussion. He said, how old is God the Father? And I got real biblical. I said, well, the Bible says before anything was, he is. He doesn't have an age. He's outside of time. He said, yeah, yeah, I know what the Bible says. But he looks like something. Does he look 30? Does he look 50? Does he look 70? And this pastor was messing with me. And he said, can I tell you something? Most Christians have a mental picture of God the Father being old and stern and not smiling he said, how many people would want to approach a father like that? When we hear righteous judge, we hear standoffish. We hear, as one Bible parable says, an austere master. You know what I think? This is not Bible. This is just Stephen. Can we have a little fun? I think God the Father is 33. You want to know how I came up with that? Well, Jesus was 33 when he died. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're the same person. 
So Jesus was 33, God the Father. And this is not Bible. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm preaching Bible. This is just Stephen. But what if God the Father wasn't some old, stern, have no sense of humor, never smile father? But if he, what if he was the father that always had a smile on his face? If he was old, what, what, what if he's the type of granddad that always got candy in his pocket? What, what, what if he's the type of father that every time he sees his nieces and nephews, he gives them that little green handshake with the $100 bill rolled up in the palm of their hand said, don't tell your mama, don't tell your daddy, this is just between me. What if God the Father is approachable and loving and caring? Because some of us, we've heard about a God, and the God we've heard about is disgusted with us and irritated with us and short-tempered and not approachable. But when you've seen him, you know he loves to be around his children and he's encouraging and he has purpose and plan and destiny for you. We've got to change the picture of God the Father that we have. Can I tell you this? You have a God that is a Father that has compassion for you. Psalm 34 15 says this, the eyes of the Lord are on you and his ears are attentive to their cry. I'll pause there. I'll read it in a second. We, we've got a two-year-old. We're almost out of this baby stage. My wife, she's, she's amazing. She said, babe, I want to get a real bed for, for Jade, our two-year-old. I said, babe, we currently have her in a crib. And so she won't climb out and jump to her demise. We got a little net over the crib and it zips up. So she's literally, we lock her in her crib every night. I said, babe, let's think about this. The child that we have to lock down, you want to get them a bed that they can get out whenever they want? I said, let's wait till she's 17. Let's wait till she's 17. <laughs> but Meredith, she's two. She's, I mean, she's basically 19 already. And we've still got the baby monitor in the room. Every time I go, ah, the monitor goes, ah, I'm like, babe, I don't need that. Because I can hear her. Without the monitor, the second she goes, ah, I hear my daughter. It don't matter if I'm asleep, it don't matter if I'm knocked out. The second she makes a noise, dad hears. And I'm dad, so I'm like, ah, she fine, she fine. She <laughs> the Bible says your heavenly father, he don't need no baby monitor for you. He hears ever. He hears the cries that you don't even cry. Verse 17 says this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. You've got to understand your father is not some standoffish. Hey, suck it up. You'll be all right. He's a compassionate father that comes to rush. The Bible says that your father fights your battles for you. He said, what? Why, why are you? God said, the only thing I want you to fight is me. That's when you get out of line. He said, but other than that, there's not one enemy you're going to have that I'm not going to fight for you. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14 says this. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold, watch this, hold your peace. Next time you get in a position where you want, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Hear the Holy Spirit say, no, you hold your peace. Because you've got a God that will fight. Do you understand how you live differently in life? 
When that employer is out to, to terminate you, to, 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 I'm just looking for something. As soon as you mess up, you're out the door and you want to fight for yourself. No, no, no. Stand still and understand that you've got to fight. Come on. Anybody had a dad like that? Do I need to come down to that school? Don't make me come down. Do I, it was my dad. No, don't come. Don't come. Don't come. <laughs> Listen, I can handle this. You've got a father that will fight for you have a father that will order your steps. I'm always, I love America and I love the American dream, but we just got to make sure the American dream doesn't mess with the word of God. And this foolishness about I'm making something of myself, I'm pulling myself up by my boot. You ain't pulling yourself up by nothing because Jeremiah chapter one, verse four, five says, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to them. What does that mean? It means before you were born, your heavenly father had an amazing plan for your life. I had an interview uh, this week with a Christian magazine. And they're doing an article in Union Church and featuring just how in the world the church is growing. And Charlotte, they're confused about one church in three different states and all that. So I'm on this interview for about an hour and a half this week. And he's just grilling me. What about this? What about this? How you do this? And yeah. And um, <laughs> I'll let you know when the article comes out. <laughs> but he said something. He said, when you started at 23, you have to have seen all this. You have to be this amazing. He said, you saw, you. this is what you were believing God for. Well, church, 10,000 plus people, all these different campuses. And I told him, I said, I get, I get this question so often. And no one's going to force me to change my answer. I said, when I started pastoring, my goal was to have a church of 1,000 people by the time I was 65 years old. And I said, if I get a church of 1,000 people by the time I was 60, it'd be the biggest church in our denomination. Mama, I made it. I said, I didn't see any of this. I didn't plan for it. I, didn't I said, this is the definition of Ephesians 3.20, a God that will do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or... I didn't see any of this, but God planned it before I was formed in my mother's womb. You've got to know, uh, I, don't, I don't have vision like everybody else, and I don't have these big dreams. You don't need big dreams because you've got a father that's dreamed for your life in ways that is above what you could ever imagine. Second thing is this, I have a faithful friend. I don't just have a fierce father. I've got a faithful friend. I am, I'm blessed to have some real friends. Not, hey, you, can you get me in the door? Can you introduce me to so-and-so? You look successful. Can I be around? Be very mindful of the people that want to get around you because of who you can introduce them to and what rooms you can get them into and how cool y'all can look in your Instagram pictures because hear me, when life be life in, they are not the ones that are gonna be in your corner. Get you some real folks that were there before you or anything and they're impressed with who you are but they could care less. I'm, I'm blessed to have about two or three of those people in my life and when I tell you, especially two of my friends, I'll talk to them three times in the same day. And I'm not talking about like text message, I'm not like on the phone. And it may be like a 60-second call. You ain't got them friends that you call for 60 seconds? Bruh, you would not believe 
You kidding me? Yeah. Man, I just, man, I got this call. Man, I just walked out. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's just tight. A lot of us, when we think about Jesus, that's not what comes through our mind. It's, it's this, this, this God that loved me enough to hang on a cross. We think about that. We don't, we don't think about the friend that we call three times in one day until we let the word introduce Jesus to us. Proverbs 18.24 says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Let me just pause there. Here's the Bible saying, it's stressful to have friends. You got to show up to a little kid's kindergarten graduation. What do I care about your kid graduating from kindergarten? They've done nothing in life but I got to be a good friend and show to this heart. <laughs> says, if you're going to have friends, it's work. But there is a friend that the Bible says is thicker than blood. That friend couldn't be closer if y'all came from the same mother and same father. Sticks closer than a brother. Who is this friend? John 15, 15 says this. Jesus said, I don't call you a servant. Okay. Calm down. Can I get a little strong for y'all? So stop acting like one. Come on now. Some of us, our relationship with God is, yes, sir, I'm so glad you let me into your presence today. I'm just, he said, I don't call you servant. Stop acting like one. For a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. This is Jesus talking. He said, I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known for you. God says, this is a type of relationship I want to have that when my dad tells me something, you're the first call that I get. He said, this is how I want you to walk with me. Question for you. I asked with God the Father how old he is. With God the Son, here's my question. What does his voice sound like? What does Jesus' voice sound like? No, seriously. Okay, this is Stephen outside the Bible. I don't know. You don't know, but let's just imagination. What does it sound like? Does it sound like that British actor on the Jesus movie? I go to prepare a place for thee, and I shall returneth. Huh? Does the voice of Jesus sound like a prophet? Thus saith the Lord. The decree of God for you today is, because if that's what you think Jesus sounds like, that ain't something you're going to call three times a day. Come on now. That's not the person that in your car after a bad day of work, you're going to say, what was that? <laughs> Bruh, you were supposed to be with me. You just let all that happen. What's your picture of Jesus? Because if your picture of Jesus is master and servant, you will pray, read your Bible, and leave him on the side of your bed and go on about your work week. And then when you come back the next morning, you tell, but when you realize, wait, he's a friend that sticks closer than family. Every step that I take, he is Emmanuel, God with me. He can handle me good. He can handle me bad. He can handle me holy. He can handle me ratchet. He can handle me when I'm in a good mood. He can handle me when I'm overwhelmed. He's a real friend. 
By the way, those two friends that I have, you know, it's real hard to be a pastor and have friends because everybody thinks you're a pastor, so you want to be real spiritual, right? So I'll call one of my friends sometimes. He's not my two close friends. He's like, and, and I'm just irritated. I'm just complaining. Usually complain about staff. No offense, but I'm just like, can you believe they? <laughs> what are they doing? You know what I don't want to hear? Don't worry, Stephen. God has it in control. And you just put your faith in God. That's the friend I ain't calling again. I'm mad right now, okay? I know God has it in control. I don't want to hear that. I need somebody that's going to say, who do they think they are? They mess. <laughs> I need somebody right there with me. You know Jesus is the type of friend when you call him mad, he's not going to throw his Bible in your face. He's going to say, that's messed up. Wait, watch what I do to him. Like, that's what I'm talking. <laughs> what does the Bible say about my friend Jesus? It says he's a friend like you've never had before in your life. He's a friend that loves you so much he died so you don't have to. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life. By the way, this is why you got to know who God is through the Word of God, because every time you think God's abandoned you, you're, no, that's not my friend. He's the one that died for me. You think he would really die for me just to abandon me? No, that's not, that's not, that's not who my God is. Can, can, can I tell you who the Bible says your friend Jesus is? He, he's somebody that's committed to your success. John 10, 10 says, Jesus, the only reason I came, the only reason I came, you know, this earth thing, I'm about to destroy this whole thing. I want nothing to do with it. The only reason I came down to this stinky earth is that you may have life. And not just life in heaven, but life more abundantly. You have a friend that is committed to your success. Watch this. You have a friend. Come on. This is maybe my house because I grew up with five siblings. When you got five siblings, someone's always in trouble. It's just somebody always getting whooped. Something always broke. Somebody, it's just, it's just, it just is what it is. And you, when you're in the one that's in trouble, you don't really want to go. You, come on, you ever been there before? You don't really want to go check with your parents just because they're still in a bad mood. It's just like, I ain't go. So you go to a sibling and say, you go check. Go, just, just go up by mom and dad and mention my name and see what they say. See, see, come on. See if it's safe for me to come upstairs right now. Here's what the Bible says about your friend Jesus. It says he spends his whole day sitting next to the Father, putting in a good word for you. It says Romans 8.32. Who then will condemn us? Will Jesus? No. For he is the one who died for us and came back to life again just for us. And watch this. Right now is sitting at the place of the highest honor next to God the Father, pleading for us there in heaven. It says you've got a friend that is taking their energy to put a good word in with you. Here's the last thing I love about what the Bible says about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says your friend got clout. It says your friend can get you in rooms that nobody else can get you in. It says one mention of your friend's name and everybody trembles. Therefore, God also has given Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow for those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God. Sean, you could come play. If I had time and I won't, <clears throat> I preached, I think it was 2019, I preached in uh, Nigeria. It was, it was wild, y'all. And uh, we get off the flight, and, 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 and as soon as we get out of the plane, people are standing with their name on the sign. And they had two soldiers next to them. And they said, are you Stephen? Looked at the dude in the suit. Looked at the two soldiers. I was like, nah, I'm not him. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what y'all here to arrest somebody. Listen, I'm from Baltimore. I don't do. Nah, I'm not. <laughs> and they said, pastor, so-and-so sent us to get you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. When I tell you, y'all, they shoved everybody out the way. Said, make way. I was like, make way. <laughs> we went through customs and customs said, where's their papers? And they dropped one name and we walked right through. Come outside. They've got a caravan of cars and soldiers and they put us in the car. I'm like, first of all, why y'all need this much protection? This is. The Bible says that the name of Jesus is above any name you could drop here on earth. And at that name, doors open, demons tremble, principalities shift back, cancer breaks off, generational curses are shed. At the name of your friend, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Hear me, it's really good when you make it yourself, but the second best thing to making it is knowing somebody who did. Hey, it ain't me they opening the door for, but I'm walking through that door right behind them. Because Come on now, I'm with them, I'm with them. Check the list. My name's on the list. Some of us have this mindset of Jesus that he's not a friend. So where he goes, we don't think we have access to. And he said, don't you realize I'm the friend that opens doors that sticks it closer than a brother like this down? I have a forever force. Can't forget the Holy Ghost. Here's this, this pastor. I even give you his name. It's Pastor Phil Pringle. He's out of, I believe, Australia. Has a church of over 100,000 people. I, I was around him, and I mean, the guy, at this point, he's probably 62. And when I tell you he's dancing in the presence of God, he, the joy on his life, and he says, I'm joyful because my picture of God is that God is joyful. And he said, you're going to emulate your picture of God. So he said, if you have a picture of a mean, stern, standoffish, judgmental God, you're going to think being a good Christian is being stoic and serious and mean and stern. And he says, no, I've got joy because I know my God has joy. Once again, I'm stepping out of the Bible, but I'll tell you when I'm back in it. So he said something that messed with my mind. He said, Stephen, how tall is the Holy Spirit? Weird, okay? Weird. What do you mean how tall is the Holy Spirit? He said, how tall is the Holy Spirit? And he broke it down. He said, because the Holy Spirit is not a fire. He acts like fire, but he ain't fire. It's just how they describe how he moves. It says what seemed to be like tongues of fire. So the Holy Spirit's not a dove. It says the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a, it didn't say he was a dove. He said, the Holy Spirit is not a wind. He operates like wind, but he is, he said, those are just describing how he operates. It's not telling. So we've got this mindset that when the Holy Ghost is in a room and we feel goosebumps, that the. No, no, no. It's 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, nobody wants to have a personal relationship with the wind. My wind is here with me. <laughs> That's why they think Christians are weird, because we think we're walking around with the wind. He said, no, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he is the person of God, just like Jesus and God the Father. And he said, I think he's 5'11". He said, I think he's about this tall. And he said, I think everywhere I go, he goes. You, you, you get, I've heard about him, but have I seen him in my life? I, I went to University of Maryland College Park, the greatest school on planet Earth. Fear the turtle. Now, I went, I went to Maryland when, I guess, I don't know if the endowment was a little short. I don't know if people weren't making it rain, but it was a little rough when I went. I, I always say I stayed in a dorm room that was the projects. It, <laughs> In Maryland Students Union, it's called Easton. Easton. I was on the sixth floor. We had no carpet. We had no AC. I remember one day I went and visited one of my friends in the honors dorm. Man, bro, I should have paid attention on my SATs. You mean, you mean this is how the nerds get to live? God, they had carpet, they had AC, had a kitchen. I'm like, I should have paid attention in high school. But I, I went back to school. My brother graduated from the same school, so I went back probably like six, seven years later. Y'all know my dorm room wasn't there anymore? They leveled the thing. And there's this brand new dorm. I mean, tinted glass, marble, not marble, but like natural wood, like restoration hardware you walking into. I'm like, you just, you mean you had this money all this time? Something that was run down completely disappeared and now erected one of the most beautiful dorms I've ever seen in. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit hovers over things that are not. And when he's done hovering, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen comes forth. Genesis 1 verse 2, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. Yeah. Oh. I don't have any more time. You know, God created heavens and earth. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, but we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Which one built all that we see? I don't know. Let's keep reading. And the earth basically was nothing without form and void and darkness. Was the face of the deep. And what? What? That's the pneuma, the breath. That's the Holy, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Yo, you know what that means? That means God the Father said, let there be sun, and the Holy Ghost said, sun. And God the Father said, let there be land, and the Holy Spirit said, land. And as God spoke, the Holy Spirit is the one that created it because he's the one that hovers over nothingness and makes it somethingness. I know that ain't good English, but that kid preaching. And he said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means if God the Father says, let there be healing, it's the Holy Ghost that hovers over my sick body and healing breaks forth. If the Holy Spirit says, if God has put that marriage together, let no man separate it, it's the Holy Ghost in my heart 
home that is keeping things together that nobody can. If God the Father says I have a great future and I see nothing, it's the Holy Spirit that is hovering over my future, making things that are not as though they are. I don't know about you, but I know who my God is and he's a fierce father that fights on my behalf. He's a faithful friend that has a name that is above every name and he is a forever force that creates where there is nothing. You walk different when you know who your God is. There's a confidence about you. There's a boldness about you. There's a security. There's a humility. I don't need you to know me. My father knows me. And because my father knows me, you can't stop me, you can't block me, you can't hinder me. All you can do is watch me and see what my God is able to do through his righteous children. When you read your Bible this week, say, God, show me a part of you I've never seen before. I don't want to be like Job that just heard about you. I want to see you with somebody shout amen in this place. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that we can come boldly before your presence. You said you don't have shame or guilt or just, you've got mercy for us, grace. God, I really don't know what we did to deserve a God like you. But God, we're grateful. Come on, just where you are, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer, say, Holy Spirit. Come on, not holy wind, not holy rain, not holy fire. God in this room right now, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this, this message personal to you. I know for all of us, God's saying, it's time for our relationship to go to the next level. I'm tired of being the God that you live on your bedstand. I'm tired of being the God that you leave in church. I want to be the God that sticks closer than a friend. Maybe you're in this room right now and you would say, Pastor, I learned about God in my head, but I can't say that I know him. That was me for so many years because I grew up in church. You can learn church and never meet God. Or maybe you're new to an environment like this and you're atheist, agnostic, whatever it may be. You didn't even know. But as you look over your life, you see it couldn't have been happenstance. That, that couldn't have been just nature. I'm beginning to realize it was God thinking about me before I ever thought about him. Well, for you, this is your moment. This is your moment where you say, God, I want to know you for real. That's you right where you are. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus my friend thank you for laying down your life for dying so that I don't have to for shedding your blood so that all my sin all my mistakes can be erased in this moment I surrender I open my heart to you be my Lord be my Savior and use me for your glory in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever?